0: Welcome back listeners, the regular season has come to a close and the postseason with the Astros reigning Supreme as world series champions for the second time in the past six years, that means it is award season, so we're going to take this time and do some award predictions, talk about, well not just the predictions, but the debate, who should win based on their statistics. We're gonna break that down. I'm looking forward to this is always a fun episode to do. So with that, let's get started. before we jump into it, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for staying with Brave Out Podcast through this entire baseball season. It's been a great one. We've seen some great things happening, and I've had a lot of fun recording, editing, and doing all the stuff that comes along with the podcast. It's been an absolute blast. Just like every other year, once the regular season is over, we kind of take a step back and don't do a weekly podcast, but go back to about once a month, just because the regular season is over. There's less things to report on and less things to talk about, and it's a nice time to just take a step back and spend more time with family. So that's what we're going to do this year. The podcast is not going away by any means. We are just taking a step back for a little bit and do about one podcast per month until the regular season is about to get kicked off again. This is what we do every year, and that's what we're going to continue to do. And I thank you for for understanding And I'm really excited for what Season 4 of Braves' Dugout Podcast is going to bring next year. And I'm super thankful for what Season 3 brought this year. I could have never imagined how far this could have gone. And I really do thank you very much. So let's get into what we want to talk about. We always do the MVP debate, right? The MVP debate is fun. You know, you look at the National League, American League, And there's always people that want to debate who should win MVP, who should win Cy Young, who should win National League Rookie of the Year, and things like that. MVP debate, no matter what sport you are into, this always comes up at the end of the year. Who should win? And everyone always has their opinions on who should win. We're going to stick with purely which player should win based on statistics. Because, after all, it is the most valuable player. It is not the most valuable player on the best team. It is not the most valuable player on the largest market. It is the most valuable player, meaning the player that brought the most value to their team. That is not most value per dollar. That is statistically the most value that they brought to their team. And so that's pretty easy to do in a sense if you just look purely at statistics. How well did they perform in comparison to the rest of their respective league? So, obviously, before we jump into that, I kind of want to talk about the administrative side of things. How does it work? When can we see who actually wins? There are all types of awards from all different types of organizations, like even Baseball Digest puts out their, you know, Rookie of the Year or whatever. But the official awards are the ones from the Baseball Writers Association of America. And their award announcement schedule is... November 14th is Rookie of the Year. November 15th is Manager of the Year. The 16th is the Cy Young Awards, and the 17th is the MVP Awards. They are who vote on the MVP and all the other awards like that, and those are the official ones that go down in the baseball records. It should also be noted that when you see the three finalists, which I'm sure you've seen, they are not truly finalists, okay? They are the top three vote-getters. And what I mean by that is, is when voters vote, they do not vote and say, okay, this is who I think should win, and everyone else shouldn't. They say, this is my first place choice, my second place choice, my third place choice, all the way down to their tenth place choice. And each position that they place is a scoring system. So the way it works is it's a a point vector, meaning that if someone gets a first place vote, That is worth 14 points, but then from second place down to 10th place. That's worth 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 All the way down you add up all the points and the player with the most points wins MVP And so when you see a finalist or whatever, they're not truly finalist Finalist would mean you made it past the semifinals round and now you're in the finals round That's not how it works. It's not American Idol Those are the top three vote-getters. The first place guy has already been decided. They've just set a final three for theatrics. That's truly what it is. Anyways, that being said, that is how it's decided. The MVP right now has already been decided. We're just waiting for the announcement. And so players get points based on their votes, and this affects things like their salaries, if they get extra bonuses or anything like that. So that's how it's decided. So let's jump into the MVP debate. Okay, this one's going to be fun. I will also say who I think is going to win, who I think should win. All right, I'm going to do this American League and National League. American League, to me, is pretty straightforward, so we're going to start off with that one. And I'm going to explain it all. It really comes down to, I know there are technically three finalists, but there's really only two. It's between Aaron Judge and Shohei Ohtani. Ohtani, what he has done is amazing. Let's start with talking about him. Okay? So, Ohtani has had a fantastic season, as we all know, pitching and hitting. He has a total of 9.6 baseball reference wins above replacement, and he had a 9.4 fangrass wins above replacement, which is second overall in MLB both B-War and F-War, second overall in all of Major League Baseball to Aaron Judge. It should also be noted that Otani had more wins above replacement this year than he did last year. So he had an even more impressive season this year. If we want to break it up by hitting and pitching, he had 3.8 wins above replacement from hitting, which would have placed him 41st in all of Major League Baseball. And he had 5.6 wins above replacement for pitching, which would have been sixth in all of Major League Baseball. Neither one of them by themselves would have won him an award, but you put both of those together, and that is an insanely good season because it's about value that you brought to your team. And he brought tons of it. He brought more than Mike Trout. You know, he brought he brought it. That was an insane season. His hitting line was a 272 batting average with a 356 on base percentage and a 519 slugging percentage. That equated to a 145 OPS plus, which means it was 45% better than league average. He had 11 stolen bases, which is purely stolen bases, and his overall base running was worth 0.3 BSR, which is good. That means that he brought positive value on the base paths. I do want to point out that since he is a DH, he does not get the added value of playing defense. He does get the added value of pitching, but his everyday hitting, he does not get the added value of playing defense, say like an Aaron Judge or literally any other hitter that's not a DH. This is why when you look at his non-pitching fan graphs, wins above replacement, It's, I would say in quotes, only 3.8 because 3.8 is still a very good season. It's just why you'll see someone with a similar slash line, like a 145 OPS plus, that's going to have a much higher wins above replacement. It's because they're also bringing value in the field. Otani is bringing value in the field, but that's by the way of pitcher, which we have already talked about in the 5.6 wins above replacement. This year in pitching is where he really took a step forward. He had an ERA of 2.33 in 28 games started. That's five more than he did last year. That's 166 innings pitched. That's barely less than guys like Kyle Wright, who had 180 innings pitched, just for what it's worth. Kyle Wright, who led Major League Baseball in wins, meaning he had enough opportunities to lead the Major League Baseball in wins, only had 14 more innings pitched than Shohei Ohtani. He also did excellent with FIP, meaning his fielding independent pitching, which is where a lot of wins above replacement comes from with a 2.4. I should have also mentioned that his ERA was good for a 172 ERA+, plus, meaning it was 72% better than league average. Remember that this was an offensive down year, meaning that you have to pitch even better to get a solid ERA+, plus than you would last year in terms of baseline ERA. His whip was a 1.012, which is insane, and he led the league in strikeouts per nine innings with 11.9, and that led to an insane strikeout-to-walk ratio for a starter at 4.98. What he did was absolutely insane, no doubt about it. He had one of the best seasons we have ever seen. Just so happens that Aaron Judge had an even better one, which is absolutely bonkers. Like, if Otani would have played in the National League, it would not even be a debate over who should win MVP in the National League. Otani would have won, and it wouldn't have been particularly close. Truly, it would not have been. Otani just happened to play the same season that Aaron Judge had a historic offensive season. No, Aaron Judge did not break the record for most home runs in a season by a Major League Baseball player. However, what he did was just so far above everyone else in the league. But again, back to Otani literally, if he would have played in the National League, he would have won MVP easily. Otani will definitely. Get a bunch of MVP votes. Remember that you get points based on what placement you will get, so there is no such thing as a unanimous MVP in Major League Baseball. It's a point system. First place, second place, third place, and so on. Otani is going to get a absolute ton of points. He is well-deserved, and yet, like I said, any other season he would have won MVP most likely, except for some of the crazy ones that Mike Trout had in the past decade or so. But either way, he's going to get a ton of points but he should be getting second place i predict he gets second place i think he should get second place unfortunately for him in the national league he would have had the most points in the national league for mvp so there may you might hear some debates in national media about how you know the nfl does not split it up between their two leagues major league baseball does between american league and national league each one has their own award winner i think tend to enjoy having a National League winner and an American League winner. It makes it different. It makes it more fun. That's just my opinion. Either way, let's get into talking about the insane season that Aaron Judge had for the Yankees. Like we said, he did not break the record for all-time or single-season home run record. He did set the record in the American League. And this, again, was during an offensive down year across the league just for reference this if we look at on base plus slugging which is a very good metric of how well hitters are hitting because it's a combination of getting on base which is important because you have to get on base so people can knock you in and your slugging percentage saying how well did you hit the ball home runs triples doubles singles are nice but a double obviously is better than a single. A home run is far better than either because it's guaranteed runs, right? So you do a combination of getting on base and how well you're hitting the ball. And if we look at on-base plus slugging across the league this year, it was the second lowest league average of OPS since 1992. The only other season that had a lower OPS since 1992 was 2014. That means that things like OPS plus, the baseline slash line to be a 100 OPS plus, the league average OPS adjusted by ballpark is going to be much lower this year than it was the past years. Like other than 2014 and 1992, it the baseline OPS 100 league average the slash line is going to be the lowest out of all of those seasons, except for 1992 and 2014, meaning that offense was down. So anything you see, someone that does exceptional makes it that much more exceptional because they did that much better than league average. So let's look at Aaron Judge. We talked about Otani. Otani had a 45 OPS plus, meaning he's better than 45%. He had an ERA plus, which is better than 72%. That was fantastic. Otani. Did great, but Judge, his offense, 211 OPS plus. That's 111% better than league average. 111%. Just for reference, and how impressive it was. In 2021, and remember, this is adjusted by year and how the league performs. The top three guys in 2021 were Bryce Harper with a 179. Juan Soto with a 175, and a Vlad Jr. with 167. Those are the top three. Aaron Judge blew all three of those guys out of the water this year. It wasn't even particularly close. 179, the highest guy in the league. Aaron Judge still did 32% better than him. So yes, Aaron Judge only plays on the non-pitching side of baseball. It is true. However, he plays defense. When Ohtani does not, so he added value there. He's also an exceptional base runner. Overall, Aaron Judge had Judge had 11.4 FanGraphs wins above replacement. That's the highest wins above replacement by a player since Barry Bonds in 2004. 2004. I know it doesn't seem like that long ago to some of us, but that's 18 years ago that that happened. And uh, it's been a long time. And just for reference on the home runs, I should have said that Aaron Judge's 62, yeah, sure, it didn't break the record, but the big deal was the difference between the next most home runs in the league. The next most home runs in the league in all of Major League Baseball was 46 by Kyle Schwarber, and the next highest in the American League was Mike Trout with 40. So in his respective league, Aaron Judge had 22 more home runs than the next highest guy. That 22 is more than 50% of the amount of home runs that Mike Trout had overall. The difference between Mike Trout and Aaron Judge, that 22, is 50 over 50% of what Mike Trout had overall in home runs. That's the difference. It was massive. A massive gap. We should also talk about with his war, his wins above replacement, Second place was Otani. Like I said, he should have won in any other year, pretty much. And in the National League, he would have won. And then to get the third place in all of Major League Baseball, you had to drop all the way down to 7.4 wins above a placement, which was Manny Machado. You're talking about a ma- from first place to third place in American League and National League. That's all of Major League Baseball. From first place to third place, it is a difference of 3.2 wins above replacement 3.2 that's like 40% of Manny Machado's total wins above replacement in fact if you want the exact math It's 43% the difference between the third place in in wins above replacement and all of baseball which is 3.2 wins above replacement is 43% of the total that Manny Machado, third place in all Major League Baseball, achieved in an entire season. The difference is just otherworldly. It's just simply not close. And it's unfortunate for Otani because Otani had an exceptional season. He truly, truly did. And as you know, last year I said Otani should have won. I was a big proponent of Otani. So this is not like an anti-two-way player type deal. I'm just not Ben Verlander as much as I love the guy. I... I love Otani, I love Ben Verlander, but I disagree with him. Otani is fantastic year. Aaron Judge, it's just, with what he brought, and again, it was more than just offense. He had 1.3 SDI, you know, Sabre Defensive Index, we talked about that, which was good for sixth among all center fielders. So it's not like he blew, the, blew it out of the water or set the world on fire defensively, but he's not even a center fielder. And he added 1.3 SDI as a center fielder because the Yankees, for a long time, this year did not even have a center fielder. But it should be brought up and noted that he did bring value there. In terms of defensive WAR wins above replacement, he was league average, although that did bring value. He also brought value on the base paths. He was 22nd in the entire American League in Base running, BSR. If you look up on Fangraphs, that encapsulates both stolen bases and your base running outside of stealing bases, because there's more than just stealing bases, right? He had 16 stolen bases though, which is pretty good, uh, considering you know sluggers other than Ronald Acuna typically don't have a lot of stolen bases, especially in a season of the game, where stolen bases are kind of diminishing. He had 16. I should also note that Otani had 11. We talked about Otani's 0.3 BSR. Judge had 2.1. So as far as percentages, how much better Judge was than Otani at base running, it's quite a bit. But if you want the exact number, Judge was 85% better at base running than Otani. Otani brought positive value, but Judge brought way more, If is what I'm getting at. He brought more defensively. He, so Aaron Judge was able to bring value not only with his bat, but he brought more value defensively because he played defense every day, which is something that Otani did bring with pitching every fifth day when he pitched. But that still factored in, right? And But it's just different. It's just something different that Judge could bring. I'm just explaining how Judge was able to get such a high fan graphs and baseball reference wins of a replacement over Otani to show the total value. And he was also able to bring more value on the base paths, Not because of the lack of Otani being able to do it. It's just he was better. Aaron Judge was better. Not to mention he got on base more often. So he was able to, with his positive base running skills, add value on the bases as well. Speaking of which, let's break down that insane 211 OPS plus that Aaron Judge had. I mean, look at this slash line. He had a batting average of 311. He led Major League Baseball in on-base percentage with a 425, and he led Major League Baseball in a slugging percentage of 686 and OPS, which is obvious with his OPS Plus, with a 1.111 OPS. That's absolutely insane. It's bonkers. He also led the league in walks. He walked 111 times, which is why he got on base so often, which is one of the reasons why his OPS was so high, to go on top of home runs. So not only was he slugging home runs, he was getting on base like crazy. It was a combination of the two things that mattered the most. He also led the league in home runs. We know that. He led the league in RBI. He led the league in runs. I mean, the guy was an offensive machine. He was, And because of getting on base as much as he did... It shows in the runs as well, but he was able to run the base paths really well. He was not an idiot on the base paths. He was good at running beyond just stolen bases. So Aaron Judge was pretty much the entire package this year. And like I said, the second highest wins above replacement in a season since 2004, the season that Barry Bonds had there, which is pretty insane. So we're going to take a little break real quick. And then we will jump into the National League race, which is one I'm sure you're all really excited to hear. Alright, so before we move on, let's talk about the best Braves group on Facebook, the Atlanta Braves Dugout. That's where everything started. It's where this podcast spawned from. It's got great moderators and great admin team that really allow you to talk your opinion on the Braves. Without feeling like you have to be positive all the time without feeling like you need to be negative all the time You can have true debates about the Braves You can learn about the Braves and you can get to meet 8000 plus great fans of the game that you can just talk about the Braves They have game threads every week that while you're watching the game You can talk the game with people and you have active ad- admins and mods who really mod The group to make sure that it's run Like a well-oiled machine. So if you have not checked out the Atlanta Braves dugout group on Facebook, this is me letting you know you should do it. Do it today. Go on your Facebook, join the group, and let's talk some Braves baseball. Alright, now that we've talked about the American League MVP, let's jump over to the National League. This one, believe it or not, is a lot closer to me than the American League. It is actually between three candidates, which is Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Manny Machado. Those are the three finalists, and I do believe that those three are the ones that deserve to be the finalists. Again, finalists used loosely because I don't believe in the term and how it's used. But let's jump into their numbers. If we use wins above replacement, we can see that they were really, really close. Starting with Nolan Arenado, he had 7.9 baseball reference ones above replacement and 7.3 Fangraphs ones above replacement. As far as B-War, he was first in the National League among position players. In Fangraphs' War, he was second in the National League. He had 2.3 defensive war, which was fifth in all of the National League, just what it's worth. 2.3 defensive war. Manny Machado had 6.8 Baseball Reference WAR. That is third in the National League, but he led the National League in Fangraphs Wins Above Replacement with 7.4. As we know, the formula is a little bit different based on defense and base running. He had a one defensively. He had a 0.0 defensive war so he was about league average in that aspect and then Paul Goldschmidt was second in the National League in baseball reference wins above replacement at 7.8 and he was third in the National League in Fangraph's wins above replacement at 7.1 he had a negative 0.6 defensive wins above replacement remember this is based on what position he was playing. First basemen very rarely have positive defensive war because if they were better defenders, they would not be playing first base. It's pretty simple. So let's dig into these numbers a little bit more because as you could tell by looking at the total wins of replacement, it's really, really close. Now I will say this, if you average them out, if you take the average of baseball reference war and Fangraphs war, add them together and then divide them by two, that's how you get the average, it would be that Nolan Arenado would be in first place, followed by Goldschmidt and then Manny Machado. Isn't it bizarre that two of the three run the same team? That's pretty bizarre to me. It's similar to the Rookie of the Year debate with the Atlanta Braves. It's kind of fun. I will say this. Voters absolutely love offense, and of the three, Goldschmidt has it. And it's, it's not really close because if you look at OPS+, plus, just for example, Goldschmidt had a 180 OPS+. plus. That's 80% better than league average. He did lead the National League. And as we can see with May Machado with a 159, which is still extremely impressive, c- considering you factor in that he was having league average defense and was running the base as well. That is an offensive difference of 21%. And then you look at Nolan Arenado, who a lot of his value was brought with defense, which is why I don't think he'll win MVP based on voters. Voters don't necessarily like defense that much. They just don't, unfortunately, even though it plays a big factor in your overall game. But that's a different story for a different day. Nolan Arenado's OPS Plus is 154. That's 54% better than league average, yet Paul Goldschmidt has a 180. So it's not even close offensively. Uh, That's not an opinion. That's just math. Now, OPS Plus is a rate stat, and Winsville Replacement is an accumulative stat. So, theoretically speaking, to bring more value means you play more games with an efficient amount of value added per game. So, OPS Plus is not always the best thing to look at. So, let's look a little bit more deeper into these players' numbers real quick. We've talked about offensive rate stats like OPS Plus. It should be pointed out that Manny Machado, Paul Goldschmidt, Played 150 games and 151 games, respectively. And Nolan Arenado, 148. So they're really, really close in total games played. So rate stats kind of are in play here, if we're being honest. But one thing I wanted to point out is the slash lines. So Manny Machado had a 298, 366, 531. Nolan Arenado had a 293, 358, 533. So OBP was lower slugging slightly higher and then paul goldschmidt had an insane 317 404 on base percentage and 578 slugging the only person that had a higher on base percentage in the national league was freddie freeman with a 407 and no one had a higher slugging percentage so it's pretty safe to say paul goldschmidt has offense locked down manny machado and Paul Goldschmidt also were very good base runners. If we look at BSR, we talked about that already with Aaron Judge. Both of them had 3.0 BSR. Did not set the world on fire, but it's positive value with their base running. Whereas Nolan Arenado actually had a negative 1.6 BSR. Not a very good base runner this year, which is one of the reasons why, even with his very good defense, he did not have more fan graphs once above replacement than Manny Machado. Fangraphs puts a little bit more emphasis on base running than baseball reference, so that's why we're seeing that. So based on numbers that are extremely close, extremely, extremely close, this is extremely hard for me to pick. I'm not even going to lie with you. I would say I know that I think Paul Goldschmidt is going to win MVP, just based on historically the way that people vote, the voters vote, the voters that their vote matters, I guess I should say, in a sense of that goes towards the award. And remember, the voting is by placement. So we might see something interesting because of how close they are. You know, first place votes gets you way more with the 14 and then 9, 8, whatever. And so I do think that Paul Goldsman is going to win because of that, because I do think he's going to get the most first place votes. But we could see something crazy. We could see That voters are starting to come around to defense. If they are coming around to defense, then I think Nolan Arenado is going to win. Manny Machado does play for a big market team. He was on TV quite a bit, but we do need to point out, and I didn't say this earlier, that voting happens prior to the postseason. So it's not like voters said, oh, hey, look at that. The Cardinals got knocked out in the first round. The Padres, you know did their thing, made it that far when they were an underdog. Manny Machado had to have been part of that. Let's give him a vote. It doesn't work like that. So that's not going to be a factor, even though I also would venture to say that some people might vote like that. I disagree that that should not be factored in, even if it was a possibility. Because one, that's a total team effort that happened. Uh, But also it's the postseason. This is a regular season award. That's not going to happen because it's not possible. I will say this, I if I were to place them, in my opinion, I value defense and what Nolan Arenado brought with the bat and defensively and looking at his average overall war between Baseball Reference, FanGraphs, I would give the slight edge to Arenado on who I think should win MVP just because I mean the overall game that he brought. We did see that he does he's not the best base runner, but with his defense and his offense combination I would give him MVP based on his output. If only he had played two or three more games, it would be much easier for me to say Nolan Arenado, but I'm going with Nolan Arenado, although I understand completely why voters are probably going to pick Paul Goldsmith, and I won't argue with him, because what he did with the bat was really, really good, and most of the time, if we're being honest, MVP is really an offensive award, not an overall player award. Although I disagree with that, that's just kind of how it's been. So it's probably going to be Paul Goldschmidt again. I will give the slight edge to Nolan Arenado on who, quote-unquote, should deserve it. But it's so close, like it's so, so close, that I'm not going to be mad either way. All right, thanks again so much for listening. This season has been an absolute blast. I just want to say again from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening all season long. We're not going away. This is just a small hiatus during the off-season that we do every year to kind of regroup, spend time with the family. We will have some special interviews or episodes as the months go on, as we always do. So with that, please subscribe and like so that if those episodes do drop, you will not miss them. That would be awesome if you did that. Thank you so much, and since this is a little hiatus, I want to go ahead and say if you don't hear it from me in the future... Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you for all the veterans out there. I hope that you guys have a good time with your friends and family, and I will be thinking about you. Thank you again so much for listening. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. This was an awesome, awesome time. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, wherever. You can find the show on Twitter at Braves Dugout Pod. You can find my personal Twitter at S People Sports on Twitter. We also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group where I will gladly interact with you every single day. I love talking Braves with all of you. So join those groups. It will be a lot of fun. And also, the show notes have all of our other stuff about websites and socials and things like that. So check it out. You can email the show at BravesDugout at gmail.com for any business inquiries. Again, thank you so much for an awesome season. It's been great. So for the last time in the regular season, as always, go Braves.